The South African Communist Party will discuss the axing of Finance Minister Praveen Gordon and his deputy in Jonas at a meeting of its uh, Politburo later this morning. The SACP has to decide whether to go through with an earlier threat to withdraw its members from Cabinet if the two were fired. President Jacob Zuma announced a dramatic reshuffle last night, axing five ministers. And for more reaction, we turn now to uh, Ms. Lebohang Peko, Senior Research Fellow and Political Economist at Trade Collective. Always nice speaking to you, Ms. Peko. Well, thanks so much for uh, giving us your time this morning. Thanks, Akina. So what do you make of this cabinet reshuffle? Yeah, it's been coming, and we've been sort of on centre for the last few days, in fact, for the last few months. I, I think that the whole the, the idea of trying to reshuffle the whole cabinet or a substantive amount of it, almost a third of it, which is um, extremely significant, is also to obfuscate the, the, the fact that the, that the finance minister and his deputy have both been removed and to get in that blow, in my opinion. And also to perhaps to give the impression that this is about an intergenerational mix, bringing in new talent, bringing in new efficiencies and new effectiveness and a different skill set into the cabinet. I don't think that that bears very well to close the street today. And also it said uh, to bring about... A radical economic transformation, a term we've had bandied about, you know, mm. uh, all the time mm. of late years. Mm. So what mm. does that mean? And how would the current crop of ministers be able to do that where previous ones have failed? I'm not sure. I mean, I have nothing. I, I think um, Minister Kijaba has been an adequate public servant in his tenure in various ministries. Um, and, 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 and I suppose that um, as a finance minister, he, 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 he remains to be proven and tested. I'm not sure whether he is the person to carry out this whole um, radical, so-called, in inverted commas, radical program of radical economic transformation, whatever that may or may not mean. But I'm also concerned about the continuity because both the minister and the deputy minister have been moved in a way that's somewhat um, up, you know, very, very high-handed in the midst of trying to secure some extremely uh, some sort of stability from international investors. I also think what's rather unfortunate is that we have, been, we have a, a whole crop of rather incompetent ministers who remain in different and moved around um, into different positions, notably Ms. Stacey Tambi, um, etc. And I think that you know, this also points to a somewhat, a, a somewhat um, dishonest way of trying to present this as new blood, when it really isn't. A lot of it is recycled blood. And I think that recycling some of the old incompetencies and the old concerns is no way to have run a cabinet at a time when we need immediate stability, not only economically, but also social and public morale. I mean, I haven't been on Twitter this morning. I dare not. But I'm sure it's lit, <laughs> as they would say. It um, certainly and I, is. Yeah. And then and, and just a final one. Um, there are, of course, those who believe that uh, this cabinet reshuffle would open the way um, for the nuclear deal, amongst others, and uh, for the president and those close to him uh, to basically have their way without the stumbling block in the Treasury. What do you make of that? Anything is possible, Sakina. Um, I, I, I think that one thing we've seen over the last few weeks is, number one, that our our president is very shrewd. We've known this for some time. But secondly, he's becoming increasingly emboldened. Um, he seems very determined on a, on a particular trajectory, which is linked to the Saxonal constituency. And I think that it's, it's really very unfortunate that at a time like this, 
there is so much inertia amongst the you know, stakeholders and the citizenry at large. Um, but certainly that seems to be the direction in which this is going. Well, Muslim Hongpeku, thank you so much for speaking to us, Senior Research Fellow and Political Economist at Trade Collective. It's 16 minutes after 7 now and continuing uh, with a reaction to the cabinet reshuffle. The Democratic Alliance is now tabling another motion of no confidence against President Jacob Zuma. Uh, this, they say, because the president has confirmed uh, firing Finance Minister Praveen Gordon and his deputy, MKBC Jonas. The chief whip of the DA, John uh, Steenhuisen, joins us on the line now uh, to tell us more about this. Thanks so much for your time, Mr. Steenhuisen. Uh, good morning to you and good morning to your listeners. Great to be with you again on SFM. So before we get to the motion, let's talk about uh, the reshuffle and your take on all of that. Well, the city was a night of the long nights. Uh, President Zuma pushed his state capture uh, process into overdrive yesterday evening. Uh, but I think very bad news for South Africa. I think very bad news for our economy. But particularly bad news for the 9 million of our fellow citizens who don't have the dignity of work. Uh, their prospects and hopes of finding a job have been dealt a massive blow as the fallout from this particular move is going to have shockwaves through our economy. We've already seen what's happening to the RAND. It's been a major blow to investor confidence in South Africa. Uh, I don't think there's uh, much good news uh, arising out of last night's actions uh, by the, this rogue president. Isn't that exaggerating that fact a bit? Because... We haven't seen the uh, economic growth. We haven't seen uh, the jobs. So what makes this so significantly different from what we've had all along? Well, I think it's almost uh, certainly going to ensure that we do uh, face a ratings downgrade uh, later this year. I think that the the ratings agencies had warned very clearly at the beginning of this year uh, that they'd be looking out for political stability uh, and uh, a firm hand on Treasury. That's not the case. I don't think Mr. Gagaba, particularly with the task of the Gupta family, uh, is going to instill that confidence. What that rating downgrade means is that our debt servicing costs are going to rise dramatically. We're speaking to uh, Mr. John Steenhuisen, who is, of course, chief of the Democratic Alliance, and we just uh, lost the signal there. So we'll see if we can try and get him back. And um, we'll come back to John Steenhuisen, uh, assuming we can find him again. Uh, that line just uh, dropping at the very inopportune moment because we still wanted to talk about the motion of no confidence. In the meantime, uh, let's speak to a constitutional law expert from the University of Cape Town, uh, Professor Richard Callan, thank you so much for speaking to us this morning. Professor Callan? Hi, I'm here. Ah, Hello. finally, we yeah. got you there. Welcome morning, to the show, Christina, yeah. and thanks for your thank time. Thank you very much. So, uh, great pleasure. It's all happening, not unexpectedly, but um, did you really foresee that the president would push through as, you know, uh, viciously as he did last night? Um, I think it was the, the writing was on the wall over the last few days that he made up his mind that he had decided that he needed to remove Pravin Gordon. Of course, in the end, there was a much bigger reshuffle, but we shouldn't be distracted by what I would regard as the extraneous elements of that reshuffle. I think that's deliberate, in a sense, to try and diffuse the issue. The, the big issue is the removal of Pravin Gordon. And we should not lose sight of that. And the fact that he's been replaced by someone who, quite frankly, will not uh, enjoy the confidence that President Gordon had and will not uh, convince many people that he will protect 
the national treasury from state capture, as we, of course, now all call it, is the crucial issue there. Forgive me. And looking at how some of the political parties, the opposition parties, have preempted this cabinet reshuffle, you had the EFF um, approaching the Constitutional Court, the DA tabling that motion of no confidence. What do you make of this, especially in the current climate? I mean, previously, yes, these would go and they would uh, essentially almost stand alone. But given what's happening in the African National Congress at the moment, do you think that there would be better prospects at all of, uh, you know, a a, a different outcome this time around? Uh, Probably not. And I think what you're hinting at, Sakina, is that the real issue is how do the, quote, unquote, good guys within the ANC react? And in the, uh, in the extraordinary moments of the last few days, there was, of course, this funeral, Ahmed Katrada's uh, funeral, which was like a convention of the progressive liberal left of the ANC. And really, I think the spotlight in the next 24 hours will not be on the opposition parties, but it will be on people like Cyril Ramaphosa, uh, like Grady Mantash, like Zueli Nakizi, people in the ANC who now have to step up and show leadership and respond to the events of last night. They really have to decide, I think, which side of history do they wish to be on. Because in the end, if you stay in side government at this point, with such a momentous decision having been taken, with such serious negative consequences for the country and the economy, and for working men and women, then the danger is that they will be forever tainted and never trusted. And I think this is the moment where they do have to show they are men and women of principle and to resign and stand up outside of the party and call for Mr. Zuma's recall and do everything in their power to uh, achieve that. And just a final one on uh, the EFF's approach to the Constitutional Court. Now, um, looking at uh, the, uh, or, uh, the, the, the the relief that they seek through that avenue, uh, do you think the Constitutional Court uh, would actually rule in their favor in this regard? Uh, no, I don't. I, I think it's a, it's, a, it's a stunt. It's designed to attract attention. It's obviously timed to be one year after the Maricana, uh, Maricana, the Encandler <laughs> decision in the Constitutional Court a year ago, which found that President Zuma and the, the National Assembly had infringed the Constitution. Um, and, and our system is set up, scheme, as you well know, in a parliamentary fashion where Parliament elects the President. So only Parliament can remove uh, the president, uh, through a vote of no confidence, a so-called impeachment procedure. Those uh, votes have been taken. The ANC has repeatedly used its majority to protect uh, Jacob Zuma. And, of course, the other uh, leading opposition party, the DA, has tabled a motion of no confidence. And presumably after the Easter break, there will be a further opportunity for Parliament to vote. Whether now there is a body of people in the ANC caucus 30 people is probably what's required, who are willing to, to turn against their leader is going to be the big question. Whether they're willing to do that on an opposition motion is a different question, and it may make them less uh, willing to do so. Um, having said that, uh, I think the DA knows what it's doing here. Uh, Jacob Zoom is a huge electoral asset to the DA. I don't think the DA or the SS wants Jacob Zuma out before 2019, because, as I say, he's a huge electoral asset to uh, the opposition.
Well, thank you so much for your time this morning, Professor Richard Kelland, who is a constitutional law expert from the University of Cape Town. I believe we have uh, the DA's chief whip, uh, John Stienhazen, back on the line. Uh, Mr. Stienhazen, let's just pick up where we left off, uh, the motion of no confidence. And are, are you hoping that that motion will stick this time around? Sakina, I think the first important point to make is that there are only two ways in our constitutional dispensation to remove a president from office, and both of them require an action step of parliament. We're having a motion of no confidence, and we believe that it's time for all South Africans, regardless of party affiliation, to stand up and be counted. I think uh, uh, Professor Callan has been absolutely correct that what's going to be key is to watch uh, those people in the ANC who profess to be the good guys and how they behave over the next few days. I certainly think Mr. Ramaphosa has been remarkably silent uh, in this particular matter, uh, and this was his opportunity to stand up and show some leadership. The souffle doesn't rise twice, as Paul Keating famously says. He won't have another chance. Uh, and so if he's really serious about saving South Africa from the Zuma State Capture Project, this is his opportunity. We need 50 ANC MPs to abstain or to stay away from voting or to vote with us. Uh, and we can then start to turn the page on the Zuma years in South Africa. And if the motion fails again, uh, do you have a plan beyond that? Well, if the motion fails, I think that it shows very clearly that uh, it will show for everybody to see uh, that the ANC is simply completely incapable of any form of self-correction. When they're given an opportunity to remove a president who's clearly gone rogue uh, and they don't take it, uh, then they own him and they're going to own him all the way into the 2019 elections. Uh, We've already seen uh, how he forced a hemorrhage of votes in the local government elections. If they continue on the current trajectory and with this type of behavior from a rogue president, I can tell you now that hemorrhaging is going to be very, very severe in the 2019 elections. And those cabinet ministers who stick by Zuma may well end up uh, losing their jobs in the end anyway. Uh, through a, a, we are able to bring the ANC with the United Opposition Force below 50%. So we also know that the DA posed a question to President uh, Zuma about his tax returns on Nkandla. And uh, the answer there and your, uh, what action do you plan on taking regarding that? Well, the tax laws in South Africa are very clear. Uh, tax affairs are private. Um, but we felt that we'd give the president an opportunity as the head of state uh, to come clean about whether he's actually uh, submitted that those as a fringe benefit. It's our view that there, there is a fringe benefit there. Obviously, we'll continue to raise this matter with SARS uh, and uh, in Parliament, but uh, I believe that it will be in the President's interest uh, to make... Uh, Well, unfortunately, we have lost John Steenhazen again, uh, that line uh, not cooperating this morning, and a pity because I wanted to ask him about um, whether there's been any progress, any word yet uh, regarding any possible action against Helen Ziller about those tweets uh, that uh, she had sent out. But unfortunately, we lost him there. It's 27 minutes after 7. Sakina Kamwendo on SAFM. Now, looking at uh, the economic freedom fighters, uh, leader Julius Malema wants the Constitutional Court to force Parliament uh, to institute disciplinary action against President Jacob Zuma. Malema says that it's been a year since the court found that the president had violated the Constitution, but nothing has been done to hold him accountable. Malema filed an application in the Constitutional Court yesterday. He says that this is for the conduct associated with the Nkandla scandal. Angela Bolawana reports. 
the proceedings are going to be necessary because uh, once a process is established by parliament, President Zuma is going to be called to appear before that process and is going to have to answer every little detail. That's when South Africans will get an opportunity to hear why Zuma made certain untruthful statements, like he had a bond and all those type of things in Parliament. He has never been held accountable by Parliament where he is answerable. EFF leader Julius Malema went back to the Constitutional Court a year after it pronounced on the Nkandla matter. This led the president to declare that he would be paying back the money for unduly benefiting from renovations at his homestead. Malema says in all this time his party has been trying to get the Speaker of Parliament to institute some kind of disciplinary processes against the president but to no avail. Every time a minister violates an oath of office or code of ethics, Parliament will hold such a minister before the relevant committees. We have seen Batavile appearing before Scopa. We have seen Batavile appearing before different types of committees for shenanigans which are going on in the social development. Why is the president not being held accountable for whatever misconduct which has been established by the Constitutional Court? Malema wants the court to direct the speaker to institute a process. This process will also feed into the current state of affairs where the DA is pushing for a vote of no confidence against the president. Only parliament can impeach the president with a two-thirds majority vote. Malema says they will support this motion and he believes they might succeed this time around. Once he announces the removal of Bravin Godan and Mkwebisi Jonas, that is the end of Zuma's presidency. The motion of no confidence has been put before uh, Balega by the DA. Once Zuma says Godan is gone, then the matter is going to serve before Parliament. Then we are going to vote for Zuma to leave. And a number of ANC members of Parliament will abstain. If you have 70 to 80 members of the ANC abstaining and not voting for Zuma or voting in defense of Zuma, the ANC can't discipline 80 members. Political tensions have been heightened this week with expectations that there will be a cabinet reshuffle. Stakes rose even higher when the SACP held a press briefing on Thursday saying that they have been advised about the reshuffle and have opposed it. Angela Bologna, CBC News, Johannesburg. And it brings us neatly up to 7.30 and time for the latest news with Kirat Lala. SAFM.